Welcome to Let's Share, hosted by me, Leah Byers, president and founder of Havanita Ministry, a faith-based nonprofit that promotes the human interaction of sharing what we have and expressing what we need. The guests in the podcast are the people who I have connection stories with and have something meaningful to share in their communities of connection. Thank you for listening. Let's share. Well, I am super excited today to welcome somebody that I've had the opportunity to know for probably four or five years now. And she's an amazing woman, a therapist, a Christian, and also a global servant to marriage. And I would like to welcome today, Galma Conde. Hey, Leah. I'm happy to be on. Thanks for having me on. It's a blessing to be here with you. Well, it's a true blessing to be here with you. And I want to say that it's been such a privilege to meet you and to learn about, there were some similarities that we have in our background. We went to the same university, which is kind of cool, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we met uh, coming into the same organization Mm -hmm. and, you know, the opportunity to, to get to know you and see the service that you are providing as not just a therapist, but just with a ministry mindset, I think has really aligned us a great deal. And so I'd really love for you to just take some time to share a little bit about who you are and how that's all gone in your life. Well, thank you for that. I, as you know, I adore you. So I'm not going to mush all over here on your podcast, but, <laughs> but, you know, from day one, when I met you, I think there was just to just say this first, because I do believe in giving people the credit. There was just this authentic expression that I got from you um, that made me feel very comfortable. You you were very honest. You were very blunt. You were very nurturing. You had the great combination that I truly appreciate. <laughs> so just I just want to say that here, even before we go on, thank you for just being such a great leader and a model in terms of leadership. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I know you haven't heard that <laughs> before, but it's true. So I, I am Goma, of course. I am from Liberia, West Africa. I am a nine-year war survivor. Liberia experienced, some say 13, some say 14, I'll say under 15 years of a brutal civil war. And I lived through nine of those. Grew up in a very conservative Christian family. I always say what got us through the war truly was prayer. My father, it didn't matter what was happening. Even when bullets were flying all over the place, we got up as a family. We prayed together every morning with the sounds of the bullets going. We were praying together. And I think that's, that is what truly carried us through that season of life. It was rough. It was nothing I wish on anybody. Um, you know, till today, I still have some shakes from it. I still, people don't know, know much, but I sometimes rock back and forth. And that truly is a result of living through the brutal civil war. Other than that, faith, faith got us through and I'm grateful. And then I was able to get out of the war because about 10 years in, I was privileged to attend a conference so they were the church here the united methodist church here was still pulling young people out and taking them to conferences and different things and there was a, a global conference that the church would host once every four years it was called youth go global so i was selected from my country within my church conference to come and i tell you yeah when when that invitation came i was in the hospital sick I was so sick. My parents didn't know what was going on with me. They were worried. And then the youth department got this invitation. And they they gathered all the youth leaders 
and say, we have an invitation. We know that there's war and everyone, everyone wants to leave this country. But we want you to pick one youth who you know will go and return because it's important that that person comes back because that is going to keep the doors open for other young people to go. I had no clue. All of those young people said, my maiden name is Bass. They all said, if that's the case, send Goma Bass. Wow. Yes. So that's how I then got notification. Somebody went to my mother who came to tell me at the hospital that this had happened. The next thing was, how is she going to get the visa? Because then they weren't giving young people visas. And my mother said, well, we just pray and we'll go. We prayed and my mother woke up early that morning. So in Liberia, the American embassy is located further away from town. And we live in another part of town and we had to get there. But then you had to wait in line about three, four hours in the morning before they would open the embassy to go and apply for the visa, for the interview. My mother said, well, we'll just go and we'll stay. She had a relative who lives close by. So we'll stay there. Then we will go in the morning early and get outside. We had to stand in an unfinished building for almost four hours waiting for daylight. Me and my dear mother. Yes. When they finally opened the, the doors, we went in. And I went through the interview. I remember going in. My mother told me, she said, Goma, she said, we've prayed, walk in confidently, do what you have to do, answer those questions, and just trust God. And that's what I did. <laughs> and that, the the interview with the consulate said to me, he asked me two questions. He said, what guarantee do I have that if you go to the United States, you're going to return? Fortunately for me, I wasn't just in school. I was also in the French Institute. I enrolled myself in the French Institute because I wanted to just go to school. So I said, well, I said, I have my parents here. I'm graduating you know, high school soon. And I'm in the French Institute. And he said, come on Tuesday for your visa. Wow. Yeah. And so that's how I came to that conference. Stayed about, I think it was two weeks. Then I went back home. Everybody called me crazy when I got home. How can you go in this war and come back here to this war? <laughs> and I said, I said, I made a promise and I wasn't going to ruin it for other people. So I went back home and went right back to school. And in less than six months, I got another invitation to return to the States. In less than six months. That yeah. is amazing. Yes. I think there's a really big picture of sharing and thinking about that. Countries reaching out to each other and serving each other in mentality that you are not leaving for you. You're leaving to come back yes. and stay connected. I, I just love that concept and that trust in God. You ended up in this United States going to college as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when I kind came, of miraculous. That's correct. So when I came over, there were women who were observing. So they were the ones who invited me back because before I came with the youth department, now the women's division said, we want to have her at our women's conference. So we're going to send her, her, visa, her visa and her ticket and everything so that you would have her come to the women's conference. So that's how I came the second time. And then when I came, I went back home again. And when I got home, they had sent an ambassador from the, from the church to Liberia. And he asked the question, what do you want? He had us in a circle, all the young people. And he said, what do you want? And he went from each person. And I said, I just want to leave at this point because this is not going to end. They're fighting every day. We're in school for six months. We're out of school for six months. I said, I want to go. I want to get out and go to college. So he took that back. And it so happened that there was a mutual individual that we knew who was at the board. And when he saw that document, he said, let's figure out a way to get her out. So that's how I came over. The women's division, the United Methodist Church said, we gave her a full scholarship to come over to college. And what college was your first experience? It was Bennett, Bennett College in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's an all-girls school. Mm -hmm. So United Methodist College, yeah. 
And that's a big picture of churches sharing. That's right. Across that's the world. Across, across the world. Globally, yes. That's a very inspirational background and story. And Goma, there are things that I got to know you a little bit in, in our time together when we worked together that have really displayed your heart and certain people statuses that you like to invest in. <laughs> One is definitely young girls and yes. the other is marriage with your marriage village. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you ended up deciding to go into the mental health field. And you can explain a little bit about your degree and why those are your passions and serving. So very young at 14, I had a call. I used to pray a lot. And I say used to because I've gotten a little lazy. I used to get, I was this young girl who woke up about two, three in the morning, I would pray in the wee hours of the morning. One night, I had this very clear, now I'm not one of those who would tell you that I heard the voice loud or I saw God. It was very, no. But I just know that I was praying and it was audible enough to where the voice said, go and tell the world. Actually, the, the exact statement was, go and tell the world that judgment is at hand. I was 14. So I woke up and I thought, I'm not telling anybody this. Who's going to believe this? I mean, <laughs> who's going to believe that I went to bed and I'm not even doing this? Leah, I went to bed the following night and had the identical dream. So I woke up and I told my grandmother who lived in the house with us. And I said, but I'm not going to tell anybody this. This is a lot. <laughs> I can't tell anybody this. And she said to me, well, you may not want to say it, but if that's the call on your life, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to say it at some point. So I let that go. Can I pause on that? That sounds a little yeah. bit like the Samuel story where he kept waking up and then he, went <laughs> and he goes, I need to go check. That's correct. That's correct. Like this can be it's exactly what happened to me. So I didn't say anything again about it. Only my grandmother heard it from me. Never said a word because I, again, I thought I'm too young. This is too much. I'm not talking about this. I remember when I was leaving to come to college. My mother said to me, she said, Goma, she said, um, you're going to be an ambassador for Christ. She said, I don't know what's going to happen. I know you're going to school. I know you want to do psychology. She said, but you're going to be an ambassador. For and so I left and I came. And while in undergrad school, just this constant, uh, I just caught it the notch. It was just coming back to back to back. That remember that dream you had, remember that vision you had, whatever it was, remember that, remember that. And I thought, okay, so now I have to figure out my way from undergrad, how I'm going to go into ministry. Because I thought, well, I have to honor this score. I have to go into ministry. I, I just have to do it. There's no other way. I can't be disrespectful to God, that is. So I, at my undergrad school, one of the requirements was that you must apply to a graduate program before you graduate. They wanted to know that you were going to go to graduate school. You didn't have an option. So I said, okay. So I applied to, one of them was a seminary school. Well, two of them were actually two seminary uh, uh, universities for graduate school. <clears throat> when I applied, I applied for pastoral counseling because I thought, okay, let me go into pastoral counseling since I've done psychology. This way I can just go into ministry. Because all along, I'm thinking the only way to, to honor that call I received was to be in pulpit ministry. That's what I thought. And then I got into seminary and realized, oh, I don't have to do pulpit ministry. I can actually honor God and serve what I like to call all of God's children in the world outside of the church. So I thankfully I had the academic credentials. So I just I went to the missions office and I said, what do I need to do to change my degree plan? And they said, what's wrong? I said, I want to change your marriage and family. I said, because I want to serve all of God's children. And I don't want to do it on the pulpit. <laughs> so they said, well, all we need to do is check your records. And if it's, if it's good, then you can do it. They checked it. Like, You're good. You can change. 
you can, you can change. So I went ahead, I switched to marriage and family. And I consulted with a friend who was in the field, who was doing mental health. And I told him, and he said, Goma, I can see you. I can see you in marriage and family. And I thought, okay, I'm doing the right thing. So I switched and I have not looked back because I'm so rested in my call, working with couples, working with, now talking about the young women and all of that, but working with couples. I said, I'm so rested in it that I know I did the right thing. And it's such a ministry for me. Every couple that I work with, who I get to see make that turn, I sit in this very chair, Leah, many days and I just lift my hands in the air to God. And I said, thank you. That's another amazing element to the story. And the fact that you're investing in couples means that in many cases you're investing in children and there's a ramification of the generations there when you do that. I know that you're also very passionate about young women and you have even been going back to Liberia fairly frequently, especially in the last few years. So what is all that about, you know, still going back? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that, I don't even know if I have a choice with that. I feel like God rescued me and I owe it to my people, especially young women in Liberia, because many did not have the opportunity that I had to be able to leave, to be whole, to have the the privilege of healing, to go to school and go through the counseling program, which was a lot of healing for me as a war survivor with trauma brain. It, it just really saved me. So I, first of all, I always felt like I was going to do something with women, with girls. Whatever it was, I didn't quite know, but I knew I would have done something because I've always had a heart for that. And I think it came from my mother being so close to me and me seeing other young girls who didn't have that. And I, and I understood the benefit that I got from having a mother who and I were truly friends, age appropriately, but friends. I have one of those too. I have mom <laughs> like right. that. Too. I know. <laughs> I love you your mom. My mom. That's, you know. mother. That's right. I know. You can't trade that for anything. I That's think it, there you go. I was just going to say it's the greatest gift a girl could ever receive. So I had that. And as I would talk to friends and I saw what was happening in Liberia with many of the young women, I thought, you know what? They just need someone want to believe in them and to create a safe space for them. So when I started working, when I started internship here in the U.S., I was working in foster care and I saw how many young women were abused that I worked with day in and day out. Then it clicked for me one day and I said, hmm, the only difference between the girls in the U.S. and the girls in my country is that they have access to mental health care right. and, the girls, and the girls in my country don't. I said, whether they take it or not, that's up for discussion. But at least they have it. So the girls in my country don't. I said, so I have to find a way to give back. I have to find a way to do it. By that time, there were so many cases coming out of my country with little girls being sexually I mean, all kinds of violent assaults. And every day I would go to Facebook, which is the way I keep in contact with my country through Facebook. I would see one case after the other. And I thought, I don't have time to wait. I don't have time. Even if I don't have the, all of the money in the world, whatever little I have, I'm going to just invest it in doing that. And that's how it all started. I had started writing a book in undergrad and I put it on hold. So when I went into foster care, I had all of the resources then because I saw what was happening first year and I thought, okay, I need to write this book. So then I wrote the book, published it and decided I'll use the proceeds from that to help me start off this adventure that I was on with making sure that every girl who wanted to had access to mental health care in Liberia. So that's what is the name of your book and so where book, can people check it out? 
the book is called Finding Her Own Way, an empowerment book for young women. And it is on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I have it on the Kindle as well as the hard copy. Okay, I'll make sure that I put that in the description so people, if they want to check it out, Thank it's you. a wonderful resource for all kinds of yeah. girls. They don't have to be just in Liberia. That's right. <laughs> all right. And actually, adults with me have said to me they love it. So, you know, it's healing everybody. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And things are all giving back. Yeah. You're sharing what you received. And I think yeah. that that's such a an amazing concept for us to, it's very simple and yet it's very so much more amazing than we sometimes can see. That's right. That's correct. You know, I, and, I, and I'll tell, talking about amazing, I'll tell you, Leah, this last trip, I was home end of June, early July. I did a, a camp for girls. First of all, I said I was going to do about 25 girls. Ended up having almost 50. Ended up having adult women because then, then the church who were trying to do counseling didn't have the resources call and said, we have, we have some women here who also need the help. So then we split the camp into two groups. Instead of having one group, I did three days for the adult women and then I did five days for the, for the girls. I tell you, it was just the most beautiful therapeutic experience. It truly was. It, it was something to sit there. In fact, let me share this. The very night I opened camp, my cousin who had gone ahead of me to make sure <clears throat> that everything was set up as we were gathering, buying things to bring on. She called me and she said, "Cause I'm so glad you're here. I said, what's wrong? She said, there's a young girl that was just ripped behind the camp right now. They're taking her. To yes. The very day we were opening the camp. And that's how it was. It was story upon story upon story. And even as we were hosting the kitchen staff, some of the women who were helping us to cook, they went to one of the leaders there and said, what about us? What about us? So let, so, me, <laughs> let me say and ask this question, because, you know, when, when I talk a lot about sharing, I say giving plus receiving equals sharing. In this experience for you, what have you received by giving? Ooh, the greatest gift that I have received by giving is the gift of acceptance and empathy. I'm already, I think that's a spiritual gift of mine anyway, through my assessment. But I have to tell you, I think it increased tremendously working with the girls, working with the women now. I have a, a little plaque up here that your audience wouldn't see, but I'll read it. It says every family has a story. I always say everybody has a story, right? I, I only found this one, so I bought it. But everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Every day I become even more convinced that every behavior I see is telling me a story. So I try, I'm not perfect, but I try not to have a lot of judgment. I try to understand what's happening. Doesn't mean that I'm tolerant of bad behavior because I know how to challenge those behaviors, but I'm always looking for the story behind the behavior. Always. That's the greatest gift I've received. And you really can only grow in those things by being willing and reaching out and giving. Because when we do give, we also receive. And we sometimes get things that we didn't even expect. Yes. yes. <laughs> or more of what we already have, which it sounds That's like right. you really have received that. That's right. Yes, uh, I it's have. It's really amazing. It's truly amazing. And how the Lord has allowed you to raise a beautiful family yes. in such a different scenario than what you experienced. Yes. I can mm -hmm. see why you're so invested. Mm -hmm. And why, why marriage? Why mm -hmm. is marriage so, 
important to you. And I see that you deal a lot with people in Liberia and the marriage support. Why is that such a passion for you? Yes, because I know that if I can save the couple, I can save the generation. It's just that simple to me. If I save a couple, I save an entire family system. I save the children in that family system. I save the grandchildren. I see the great-grandchildren through the grace of God. So that's just it for me. And really in, in Liberia, you know, we talk about the comparison with the United States. Yes, the United States has a lot of mental health support, comparatively mm-hmm. speaking. Right, right. <laughs> Culturally, everybody's different and whether correct. they're willing to accept it or not. How is that's it correct. in Liberia in terms of being able to provide mental health support? The younger generation, they are just eager. They are so excited. They feel they're grateful they just want to feel better. I think a big part of this has come from social media. They've been oh, able to see, yes. That's why I always say social media has its benefits as well. Right? I know we talk a lot about it, you know, the downside to it. But because the younger generation have access, they're able to see what's happening for other people outside that other people and are grieving over here. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you are investing in a social media group called Your Marriage Village. Yes. And I would imagine it's actually quite a global community because I know I'm in it <laughs> and I'm it not is. in Liberia. So. <laughs> exactly. It is. Yes, there are people from Europe, there are people from Asia, because my godmother was from Asia. So now there's connection there. And then there are people from like from Africa all over who are in the marriage village. Yes. And you post a lot of videos there because you know that that's yes. what really people need to hear. They need the feedback. And you are very transparent about some really <laughs> interesting things on there. I am not going to bring up in this podcast. However, yes. <laughs> that's right. I do think it's an amazing thing that you're sharing your wisdom and knowledge and passion to build marriages and and heal them through both science and scripture yes science and scripture that for me that was the that was the one thing i was not going to negotiate around i said and i'm grateful that science just really supports the bible you know (laughs) that's truly what it's about there's nothing new it's in the it's in the scripture it's just written in a way that we don't get sometimes so science helps us understand it yeah there's a foundational thing and i use it in my other efforts but there's Uh a foundational thing that saint augustine said that all basically all truth is god's truth so if science is is foundational it's because it's truth and who's the source so that that is absolutely that's right so yeah so using science and using scripture and it's worked leah it's worked for me so far you know when people say oh you a good therapist, I go, no, that's not really what it is. It's because, number one, I don't rely on my own strength. I truly rely on God. I pray. And even when I'm in session sometimes and it gets rough, I'm praying. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to guide me. What does this person need? What, what, is, it, what is it that this couple is looking for that I'm missing? Lord, please show me. And then it shows up and then I can use the science to address that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really important. And I think that uh, if you if you're open to sharing this, Mm-hmm. that you are actually in the process of building a nonprofit here yes. in the future. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yes, I am. I'm doing a nonprofit for the Girls Project. The project, by the way, it's called Every Girl Leaves Empowered. Eagle for short, Every Girl Leaves Empowered. And the idea is exactly that. It's so that every girl leaves feeling healthy and feeling as if she's capable and that she deserves to live a certain life. Nothing. Most of the time it's because she's looking to live a healthier, happier, wholesome life. And I feel every girl deserves that. So 
the nonprofit is in, in the works. I have someone working on it. And hopefully, according to what I hear, maybe in the next two months or less, I should have a full status. So that would be amazing. And I'll be able to do more for the girls because right now it's, I'm managing. <laughs> You're it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. I'm it right now. Yes. Well, that's very exciting and just a wonderful effort to just take it to the next level and formalize it yeah. so that more people can jump in with you. And oh, oh, right. yes. Is there anything that you would like to share before we wrap up today? I, I just would say, you know, if anybody who's listening is on Facebook and they want to join the Marriage Village, type in your Marriage Village, send a request and invite and we will definitely have you in there. I usually screen and then I invite you in. So would we'll do that. Then also, Eagle Girls is also on Facebook. Every girl leaves empowered. There is a little group where I update. If you want to know what I did this summer in Liberia, if you go to Every Girl Leaves Empowered, you'll see pictures and testimonials and everything up there from our uh, trauma camp this summer. That's wonderful. And that trauma camp is such an important work. I will make sure also that this is in the description mm -hmm. so that people know where to go. Mm -hmm. And I really am so grateful for your time and your sharing and all that you're doing, modeling sharing in a global sphere and investing in others in ways that model how you've been invested in and your parents invested in you, your religious background, people that were aligned to your faith. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so much. It truly has it's been my pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. you know? <laughs> yes, but it's been my pleasure being on here, sharing with you and also seeing what you're doing. You're always just lifting other people up. You know, that's when I think about you, that's what I think about. She's always lifting other people up. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm very happy to know that there are going to be people around the world listening to this podcast and you are investing. So thank you. You're welcome. Have a great one. You too. Thank you for sharing your time listening to this Let's Share podcast. Our hope is that you receive some inspiration to give and receive because giving plus receiving equals sharing. If you want to learn more about Have a Need a Ministry, go to haveaneedaministry.com. Look forward to connecting soon.